0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Recently, the White House brought forth a new version of their travel, travel ban, which focused on seven countries since amended now down to six. But judges in Hawaii and Maryland quickly put the new ban on the shelf with the prior ruling. In Hawaii, a temporary restraining order was put in place. In Maryland, an injunction was granted saying that the ban violated the First Amendment. And now the Justice Department has filed papers to go after the ruling in Maryland. And there there are a set of reasons why, which we will dig into in just a little bit. In just a second, we're going to be joined by Kermit Roosevelt and Sarah Paoletti, who are professors at the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Uh, Sarah Paoletti dra- directs the Transnational Legal Clinic. Sarah joins us right now. Sarah, great to have you.
1: Thank you very much. Good uh, to
0: be here. Great. And Kermit, great to have you as well. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thank you. Kermit, I mentioned the, the Maryland ruling at the top. It, it might be a focus for a couple of reasons. One is the fact that it was an injunction and not a temporary restraining, restraining order, Correct. Uh, yeah, that's right. Why why, why then the focus more so on the Maryland piece to this?
2: Well, an injunction is, is a little bit more of a, a permanent disposition. So the temporary restraining order is going to expire on its own. It's just desired, designed to preserve the status quo while litigation goes on. Um, an injunction indicates a more uh, settled view of the merits.
0: Sarah, if if we have two judges that have made these uh, decisions here in, in the last few days, and let's say that that the the, the White House looks to uh, looks to the Maryland ruling as a way that they can upend this, there still is the Hawaii ruling as well, correct? Correct. So correct. so I mean, the, the White House is really playing up against against two fronts at this point.
1: That's right, and I anticipate that we'll see more coming out of Washington State the Washington State case as well.
0: Now, the Washington State case that can still be a factor in this.
1: I think it can. Um, we'll see what they decide to do in light of in light of the Hawaii and the Maryland decisions, and whether they continue to move forward but i think it's it's anticipated that they will continue to move forward with their case as well
0: are are we getting close to a point sarah that that the white house is and part of this also plays into the fact that president trump said late last week that uh, this second version of the of the travel ban was just a watered down version of the first one which is part of the reason why uh i think the the justices are saying or i should say the judges are saying uh that this second bill is basically the same as the first correct
1: Right. I mean, the courts are are looking at what's going on in the context in which the new memorandum, or sorry, the the new executive order was was introduced, and the comments made. Yes, that this is is a secondary, uh, a watered down version, um, even though the text of the the executive order itself talks about how. It is responding to, and it is not a Muslim ban, and it is not for religious purposes, and reiterates the national security issues. The commentary that surrounds it all makes that hard
0: to believe. Kermit?
2: Um, yeah, you know, so what's happening here is the the judges are treating this as though it's basically an attempt to pretty up or improve the first order. Uh, you know, which I think is fair in, in a lot of cases, and particularly in Establishment Clause cases, where one of the things that's central to the question is whether the government has this impermissible religious motive. Courts pay a lot of attention to what happened in the run-up to the particular government action that they're considering, and they don't say, start over, you're on a totally clean slate.
0: Is there a possibility that that there is a path where these rulings can be overturned by uh by the uh, the push of the Justice Department, in your mind, Kermit?
2: Well, going with what we were saying earlier, you know, one of the things that the fact that we've got a bunch of cases, a bunch of different judges issuing nationwide injunctions means is the only way they can win is really to get to the Supreme Court. Um, it seems very unlikely they're going to get all of these lower court decisions overturned. And as long as one of them lasts, the, the travel order is going to be invalid. So, uh, you know, they have to get to the Supreme Court. They could win at the Supreme Court. You know, if, if um, Gorsuch is in there, by the time this gets up there, um, they'll, they'll be back to basically the 5-4 conservative majority they had. Although, you know, I wouldn't consider Kennedy's vote secure for the government. Um, you know, people who are interested in judicial independence, which Kennedy certainly is, um, and strong judicial review in appropriate cases are probably not going to be that receptive to this administration's arguments.
0: Yeah, what is the path, then, for this potential order to get to the Supreme Court?
2: Well, I think, you know, you'll get a, an opinion by a circuit court of appeals, and then um, whoever loses, I think, would probably try to take it up to the Supreme
0: Court. Sarah?
1: I think that's right. right. Um And we'll see kind of which court gets there first. And whether ultimately it's presented as a circuit court split, um, I'm not sure what we'll see.
0: We are joined by Kermit Roosevelt and Sarah Paoletti of the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Uh, Sarah also directs the Transnational Legal Clinic. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I guess, Sarah, the other interesting thing about the Washington case is the, the judge in that case uh, said that there were enough differences between the two rulings that, that his ruling, actually didn't apply can you take us a little bit further into that
1: yeah i mean he he did say the new executive order is a new executive order it's a different executive order and it has to be evaluated on its own merits and therefore um the old hero won't stand and he needs to hear hear again right he needs to hear again from the parties and they can't they can't let the earlier case rest I don't know if that necessarily means that he will go in a different direction or it or necessarily means that he will treat this and, and look at this in isolation of what has been said and, and what the earlier order was in the commentary around the earlier order. I just think he feels like in order to have some, some merit moving forward, he needed to at least assess this new executive order. Um, it, in light of the previous decisions, perhaps, but needs to to issue a ruling on this new executive order because the old executive order on which he ruled no longer stands.
0: Kermit, how did you, how did you
2: read that? Um, yeah, I think people have been giving too much significance to that. You know, so he he enjoined the old executive order. The administration comes out with a new one. It's definitely different in some ways. You know, it doesn't have the the same application to green card holders. Um, it changes the list of countries to a little bit. It's got um, uh, some findings in support of it and so on. So it's definitely a different order. And it would have been quite extraordinary for him to say, I enjoined the old one and my injunction applies to this new one without having any sort of hearing. Right. Um, I mean, it, it may well be the case, what other courts have said suggests that it is, that the reasoning behind the injunction applies to this one you know, and, and indicates that this one too should be enjoined. Um, but to, to just say that the old order covers the new, that the old decision covers this. This new travel order would have been very unusual, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Going back to something we talked about a second ago, and I, I think it, it it really applies here is the fact, Kermit, that uh, you know the commentary by uh, by the president and by other people about the original order and now this one, that commentary is part of the record and it, it is part of the process uh, of uh, of these judges deciding whether or not this is a a legal entity or not. So, I mean, it's hard to get past that if you're a judge, right? Right off the bat correct
2: yeah i think that's that's what we're seeing the, the big question in people's mind was to what extent will judges allow the administration to start over um from a tactical perspective the trump administration made a lot of mistakes in rolling out the first order so you know they didn't consult with relevant agencies which undermined their claims about national security they had all of these statements in the campaign and then afterwards about a muslim ban right. and all of that stuff put together made the First Order look really bad. And they were trying for you know sort of a do-over. Now, we're going to try to do it the right way. Um, and the question is, can you make the judges put all of those prior things out of their minds or not? And people didn't know. You know. The Supreme Court hasn't been exactly clear about when and how much courts should pay attention to things that happened before litigation and out-of-court statements and things like that. Um, And and basically what we're seeing is that the courts are saying, we're not going to forget all of that. You know, you did this the first time, it looked improper, we think you're still trying to do the same thing.
0: Kermit Roosevelt and Sarah Paoletti join us. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're talking about the uh, the latest uh, travel ban brought forth by the White House. Your comments again, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at bizradio, B-I-Z radio, 111, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan loney 21 Sarah, I saw something also over the weekend about a, a group of judges that actually wrote a dissent against the Hawaii ruling. Uh, can you take us, I don't know if you had seen that as well, can you take us into that a little bit if you did?
1: I did see it, and I haven't read it all. Right. Uh, so I'm afraid I can't. I can't say much about it.
0: Well, it, just in general, the fact that 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 judges would be writing something like this against that is that a common practice that you see normally, or is this really something out of the norm?
1: It's it's not something that I've seen before um, for judges to to independently issue those dissents. And I've been following the dissents. I mean, so there are the dissents coming out of, out of the Ninth Circuit for the for the Washington State case and the decision not to have the rehearing on banc that folks have been paying attention to, uh, and I think they're looking at at the whole picture in doing that.
2: Kermit, well, um, you know, judges judges frequently dissent. I, I'm not sure it's it's that surprising. Um, and then if you look at who the judges are, one of the opinions that people have been looking at was written by Jay Bybee. Um, who was appointed by George W. Bush and was sort of notorious because after his appointment it came out that he had been involved in the issuance of some of the memorandums authorizing torture Mm -hmm. um, as a method of interrogation and the significance of that is that he is someone who historically took a very very broad view of executive power of the president's power to take actions in the name of national security so it's actually not all that surprising I think that, that Judge Bybee would be saying, yes, the president's power extends this far. The interesting thing about the Bybee dissent was that while he was saying these things about how much power the president has to defend the nation, he also put in some paragraphs that were really a direct criticism of, of the Trump administration and what Trump has said about judges, because he was also saying it's very important that the independent judiciary be respected... And the executive branch not try to undermine the legitimacy of judicial rulings.
0: Well, and then I guess that brings up a a bigger topic, which you just kind of alluded to, Kermit, is just the the ability of the president to kind of take this action where there is a view of national security in his mind, in this case, uh, uh, that 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 should play out. How strong should the president's ability be to do something like that in your mind?
2: Well, you know, that's one of the hard questions of constitutional law, and it it comes up over and over again. Um, In World War II, the courts said we should be very deferential, and they let FDR lock up Japanese-Americans and take them out of their homes and make them leave the West Coast. And then the court regretted that, and they said, you know, actually, that wasn't justified on grounds of national security, and probably it wasn't even motivated by a sincere concern for national security. And we should be more skeptical in the future. And I think a lot of what we're seeing now is sort of the lessons of that Korematsu decision, where the Supreme Court felt it had sort of let the government get away with too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, you know, we're, we're seeing judges be more skeptical of executive national security justifications, particularly in, in situations like this one, where there's a lot of evidence suggesting that something other than a genuine concern for national security is going on. Because right. If you look at the countries that are affected here, they match up very, very poorly with um, the homes of people who have committed terrorist acts in the United States. And there's this language, you know, about a Muslim ban. Um, there was no consultation with the relevant security agencies, so they didn't go through the normal process you would go through if you were actually trying to get expert analysis of what promotes national security. Right. Um, you know, I think there, there are a lot of plausible reasons for skepticism here.
0: Sarah, how do you react to that?
1: So I, I agree. I also think that um, with regard to, to the national security threat, I wouldn't question whether or not President Trump thinks that this is a matter of national security. Um, but whether or not that's grounded in fact is a different question, right? Whether or not that's grounded in, in real sort of evidence right. is another question, or whether or not it just plays into the narrative that's been constructed in this country over the past you know 10 15 20 years um about the 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 role of Muslim, of, of islam in terrorism right yeah. um and so if you look at back to the tv show 24 right or any of the the pop culture narratives and the narratives that this is just falling into so i think there it's hard to sort of disentangle whether or not we can we can call this national security without looking at what are the underlying assumptions made. And so when you read the initial executive order and read the links from national security to the countries and read how it's phrased and look at that narrative that's constructed, it really is a a very damaging narrative um, in thinking about the role of, of Islam and the Muslim faith and terrorism, which is something that has been rebutted again and again and again, and yet this narrative persists. Well, and I think that's one of the dangers of this executive order.
0: Does it Does it also then get enhanced by uh, the fact that, if, sir, correct me if I'm wrong, but the gentleman that uh, the, the incident at the airport in France the other day, that gentleman said that he was doing it for Allah, and, and that obviously plays into this as well, if that was the case. Correct, sir?
1: Right, although the latest that I heard uh, sort of this morning was that he is not at all a religious individual and that he had, you know, uh, drinking and drugs and health issues and mental health issues, and so what was said and, and... and whether that has any actual link to religion, I think will will sort of play out over time.
0: We are joined by Kermit Roosevelt and Sarah Paoletti of the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Kermit, obviously, it feels like because uh, of what happened with the first ruling, and now with the second ruling, we are in kind of a a, a vicious cycle right now of how these uh, these executive orders are being brought forth and the reaction by the uh, by judges in, in various parts of the United States. It feels like this is a kind of a continuing progress, a process, excuse me, almost a little bit like the old Groundhog Day philosophy.
2: Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how far
0: the administration wants to go with
2: this if they lose again you know are, are they gonna try something new um, because the way this case is playing out basically the problem that they're having is that they can't get out from under the shadow of that first order and the comments that were accompanying it right so it, you know it it might just not be possible for them to ever do that um, or they might have to have a sort of a cooling off period and some more elaborate agency review they might try to come up with something different Um But, you know, if you think about it in in political terms, I'm not sure that the Trump administration really needs to keep pushing on this to get good political results. Because one thing that they've done now is they've kind of insulated themselves against responsibility if there is some attack in the future, because now they can say, we tried to protect you and judges stopped us.
0: Right uh sarah obviously going back to the comments for a second uh, i mean obviously the president made his comment but uh, we have talked a little bit about the fact that former new york governor rudy giuliani made the comments that he made you know when the when the first ban was uh, kind of being put in place and those comments have obviously been a part of this process as well and and have had their impact in in partly why the first ruling and now the second ruling i think have been have been uh put put on the shelf
1: Right. I mean, he he went on on record saying that he was asked to put together a Muslim ban that would be legal. Right. And so um, and that that absolutely has played out in in all of the litigation moving forward uh, and the notion that sort of the new cleaned up language is something other than still trying to be a Muslim ban that looks a little bit better, that would pass judicial muster, judicial scrutiny. You can't ignore the fact if the intent was still the Muslim ban, um, you can clean it up as much as you want. But it, it doesn't change the fact that that the goal behind this is uh, is a discriminatory goal
0: But with the reaction or I should say with the ruling off of the first ban. Uh, what would be the path, going back to the Supreme Court piece of this, what would be the path of, say, the White House if they continue to have these uh, rulings shot down, or I should say executive orders shot down by by judges in various uh, district courts? What would be then the path to actually take this to the Supreme Court? And as Kermit said, obviously a piece to this is the fact that we are sitting with an eight-member Supreme Court right now and that Neil Gorsuch may be that ninth person somewhere down the road.
1: Yeah, and I, I think in timing is everything, and and I think we'll see. But <clears throat> it looks as though um, that nomination will probably move forward, and I suspect it's not going to take a huge amount of time, and it will take time for cases to make their way, uh, and for this case uh, to make its way to the Supreme Court. So I think the arguments will continue to be the same by the part of, of the Department of Justice on behalf of the administration. Um, that this is within their uh, authorities under the under the Constitution and under the Immigration and Nationality Act, um, the, the within the authority that's been granted to them by Congress and by the Constitution to make determinations in the interest of national security, and they will stick with that argument, I think, probably all the way through.
2: Kermit, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's. It's probably definitely not in the administration's interest to go to a Supreme Court that only has eight members. Um right. Unless they manage to win below, you know, and then, then probably the challengers to the order wouldn't take it up as long as they've got at least one nationwide injunction still in place. Um, so, you know, with an eight member court, you've got the four conventional liberals who probably would not side with the administration. Right on this, uh, which means, you know, the worst they could do would be would be a tie. Uh, so the administration is probably going to want to wait until they get some nominee through before they actually get Supreme Court review on this, I would think.
0: But you said it was, uh, did you say uh, Justice Kennedy may be the one vote that that could be kind of a sway vote in this process?
2: Well, it's it's hard to tell, you know, because there, there are a couple of different intersecting concerns here. Okay, You know, justices have views on different issues and not all liberals and all conservatives think alike on all issues. So one thing you've got going on here is deference to the president on national security issues. And traditionally, conservatives are more deferential on that. But another thing that you've got going on, and Trump has really highlighted this issue with his statements about judges and his criticisms of the ruling, right. is judicial independence. And plenty of conservatives are also very strong believers in judicial independence. Right. Um, Justice Scalia was for instance. And Justice Kennedy is, too. Justice Kennedy is probably the justice on the court now who has sort of the largest view of the judge's role in society. Um, And he certainly is not going to be um, sympathetic to an administration that's attacking judges and calling them so-called judges and suggesting that there's something illegitimate about rulings that disagree with the, the president's views.
0: Kermit, I know you have to run. Uh, Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you all the best. We continue just for another moment with Sarah Paoletti. Uh, Sarah, how do you expect this all to play out? I mean, are we going to continue to see more of the same in the weeks and months to come?
1: You know, I think that's a very good question. Um, And and what we've seen is when one thing starts to go not quite President Trump's way, he throws something else out. Um, And so they're sort of the constant state of distraction. And so I think... Um, I don't think that that the administration is going to concede on these executive orders. I mean, I'll point out, as I've pointed out before, the other aspects of the executive orders and the different executive orders that have been followed up by policy memorandums from the Department of Homeland Security on the immigration front are, um, I think, equally, if not more, damaging um, in terms of immigrant communities across this country and the reputation of this country internationally, right? It plays out a little bit differently. It's not quite as in your faces as the the Muslim ban rhetoric, um, but it may be that they push this and decide that they've they've used this as a distraction, and and in the meantime they are. Um, conducting home raids and and other immigration enforcement actions. Um, We have a hearing tomorrow at the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights looking at the issue of pushbacks and what role the U.S. is doing in preventing people from actually getting to the border of the United States to seek asylum from all countries, right? Right. not just the countries listed in the executive order. Um, So it'll be interesting to see kind of at what point they declare victory on everything else. Yeah. Um, and and or continue to push um, on this particular issue raised in the executive orders.
0: Great to have you, Sarah. Thank you very much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Sarah Paoletti and uh, before that, Kermit Roosevelt uh, from the University of Pennsylvania Law School joining us. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.